0: And welcome to Island Ice, episode two of Newsday's New York Islanders podcast. I'm Andrew Gross of Newsday. Today we're going to look at the Islanders' first two games, a split, and we'll take a peek to the week ahead. Um, Also this week, I chat with New Islander center Derek Broussard, who I also covered back when he was with the Rangers. Uh, He had some interesting things to say over the course of a ten-minute sit-down. Uh, Some which uh, generated a little bit of buzz on Twitter when I tweeted it out on Saturday. Uh, We'll also do some Q&A via the Twitter feed. Uh, That was kind of popular in episode one. Uh, I think you guys had some fun with that. I certainly did too. So we're going to make that a regular feature. Uh, Thanks for the... the very nice response to episode one. Please, if you haven't subscribed, rate, review via Apple Podcast. We're also available now on Google Podcast. You can find us on the Newsday website and on SoundCloud. You can find me on Twitter, a gross Newsday. Um, and thank you very much again for the for the response and. You know, everything in life is about learning. And uh my learning curve after that first episode was boy, do I have a lot of respect for uh people who do this for a living on a day in day ba- day in and day out basis. Uh, radio guys who talk for four hours a day. I'm uh yeah you know, I'm I'm now sitting here with two bottles of water in front of me because boy did my uh my throat get dry over the course of eh, I didn't even talk for all that long last week. So I'm uh, going to try and make it through the first episode without feeling like I'm in the middle of the Mojave desert. I mean, I I, I get now Mike Francesa guzzling Diet Coke during his shows. I, I, I totally get it. Um, So let, let's switch it around at the start. I said we were going to take a look at their first two games and then take a peek at the look uh, the week ahead. Let's let's do it the other way. Let's take a look at the week ahead before we take a peek back. And let's start with Noah Dobson, uh, the 12th overall pick in 2018. He, he certainly looks set to make his NHL debut in Tuesday night's game against the Oilers at the Coliseum. We're recording this uh, Tuesday afternoon, was at the morning skate on Tuesday. He came off with the regulars. Johnny Boychuk stayed out with the extras. Um and that that's that that's natural because both uh, both have been paired with Nick Letty. So it certainly appears Noah Dobson is going to play his first NHL game, just as Josh Bailey is playing his 800th NHL game. A lot of people have reached out to me and and you know wondered why this kid was not in the lineup the first couple of games. You know what what what's the point of having him on the roster if you're not going to play him? He's 19 years old. You know, he he couldn't go to the AHL, so the Islanders' only options were either to keep him on the big league roster or send him back to the junior team. We went over this last week, I think, a little bit. Barry Trotz, Lou Lamarillo, the organization, was really a little concerned about what that would do to his development going back to juniors, and Barry talked about it again after Tuesday's morning skate. Um playing defense you know uh he said when when you're as good as Noah Dobson and certainly when you're as good as Noah Dobson would be in the junior hockey setting you you start cheating you start just relying on your talent instead of playing to the systems and 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 playing to the fundamentals you, you get a little bit lazy they were also worried too much ice time possibly the the junior team relying on him too much but still, you know, he he doesn't play the first two games, and, and you're wondering what what is he getting here? You know, sitting up in the press box watching. Well, I I, I think you know he he was never going to play all 82 games, um, but neither is Johnny Boychuk going to play all 82 games, and you know what? There's there's a good chance that none of their defensemen might play 82 games, just because I think Barry Trotz is really really trustful of all seven of them and he talked this morning about this more so than last season he's going to be shuttling shuttling guys in and out of the lineup um just because he feels like everyone deserves that kind of ice time so uh why hasn't he played Johnny Boychuk presented a a better option the first two games in terms of matchup and and Noah Dobson was also as still dealing with a little bit of tightness that drove him out of one practice. They want to be absolutely sure on him. But Barry Barry made it clear that this kid was going to play. He's going to play tonight. Um, really interested to see what he does. He, he looked very poised during training camp with the puck on his stick. Barry was a little bit concerned about some of uh, you know the details in his game and playing defense against the men in the NHL instead of the boys in the junior hockey. And uh, let let me let Barry explain it here. I asked him about it, uh, or he talked about Noah Dobson this morning at at the morning skate.
1: For him, uh, you know, a lot of the details. uh, Let's just start with, uh, you know, playing without the puck at the National League level. You can cheat a little bit in junior, anticipate, because guys have more tells. Just getting the, the play against those guys on a regular basis, holding position a little bit more, uh, and then getting right reads when to go and when to jump. I mean, he's got pretty good uh, instincts when to do that. Um, and then just physically stronger. That's just the bottom line. Just got to get that man's strength going again.
0: Let, let's face it. Most rookies go through ups and downs. What, what Trotz is basically saying, barring injury, like I said, he's going to get all seven of his defensemen I- involved. Um, you know, the, the Islanders have a pretty, I think to get going into the season, they have a pretty favorable schedule. And what I mean by that is look at the, look at the New York Rangers. They play two games and now they're on this extended break. You know, they, they don't play from Saturday to Saturday. You know, the Rangers looked pretty good in their first couple of games. And, you know, does all that momentum dissipate now that they're they're sitting on the sidelines? They're basically going through training camp again. And I don't think any team really would want their schedule set up. So what I mean by the Islanders having a favorable schedule, first three games of their homestand is, you know, game, off day, game, off day, game, off day. We got two off days here. They go to Carolina on Friday. That's a remi- rematch of a... Uh, the second round of the playoffs last year when the, uh, the Hurricanes, and again, you go back to layoffs, the Islanders were so crisp in their first round sweep of the Hurricanes, and then, what was it, they sat for 10, 11 days, you know, my memory is not as sharp as it once was, it was 10 or 11 days, it was double digits, uh, it was about as long as you can go in the NHL without playing a game in the playoffs. And you saw it against the Hurricanes. The Islanders just could not get back to their game. Um, so they have two games off. They go to the uh, to the uh, Carolina, and that that should be fun. I expect uh, Semyon Varlamov is is expected to play against um, to, on Tuesday against the Oilers, and then that would set up Thomas Grice, who historically has just frustrated the heck out of the Hurricanes. That should set up Thomas Grice to play on Friday night in Carolina. Plus, you have your first back-to-back of the season. On Saturday, the, uh, the Islanders travel back to the island, take on the new-look Panthers, Joel Quenville, Sergei Bobrovsky. You know, the Panthers are expected to be one of the really good teams in the Eastern Conference uh, this season. So uh, that's going to be a good test first back-to-back. Um, and then that stretch of tough games ends with the Columbus Day matinee against the Stanley Cup champion Blues. So really, you know, a lot of measuring sticks for the Islanders early in the season. And then again, I would re- much rather have it this way than just sitting and, and not playing a ton of games. I think you really, you really have to jolt your system as, a, as an athlete to get back into the, the form you want to be playing at in midseason. And I really think, you know, playing playing the Capitals in the season opener, you know, Stanley Cup champs two seasons ago, getting the Blues this early, um, a back-to-back early, you know, tough game against uh, the Jets. Uh, the, that was a good win, 4-1. Um, good test against Connor McDavid and the Oilers. I, I just think the schedule really sets up nicely for the Islanders to get to their game uh, quicker. Uh, than then, then it would be otherwise. Um, as, as far as what I expect to see going forward, um, if Semyon Varlamov plays tonight and if Thomas Grice plays on, on Friday, as I'm projecting, you, you see Barry Trotz going back and forth between the goalies. I expect to see that uh, through the early bit as Barry gets a sense of where his goalies are at. And eventually, he's going to go to the hotter hand for longer stretches, but I, I do expect to see a goalie rotation here at the beginning of the season. Uh Trotz is usually also pretty steady in his lines. Um and and I don't expect any changes against the uh the Oilers tonight. But Barry in talking about getting, you know, Noah Dobson in or potentially getting Noah Dobson in and how he's gonna go to the seven defensemen he also mentioned that, you know, like I said, more, more so this season than last season, he's going to switch in and out. Now, Tom Kuhnhockle and Ross Johnson are the two extra forwards. I, I do expect to see Ross Johnson sub in a little bit more this season for Matt Martin in particular, um, and maybe in other spots in the lineup, up and down. But uh, as Barry mentioned, he he really believes Ross is a guy who doesn't, get enough credit for the development he's made in his skating and for the, the somewhat soft hands he, he does show around the crease when he does get that opportunity but the, the, the natural uh fit in would be for a guy like Matt Martin they're both big physical presences on that fourth line um I I, I like I said I, I I know how much Barry relied on that identity line not a fourth line an identity line Casey Sezakis between Matt Martin and Cal Clutterbuck, um, but I, I, I see. I expect Tom Kuhnackel to possibly come in for Cal Clutterbuck at times. I expect Ross Johnson to come in for Matt Martin at times this year. I, I don't expect to see Tom, Kuhn, Tom Kuhnhackel in particular sit that long to start the season. Barry Trotz couldn't stop raving about this guy during tri- training camp as being a Swiss Army knife, meaning he could insert him at, anywhere. So. I don't think he wants him on the sidelines for that long. As for the first two games this season, do you throw out that 2-1 loss to the Caps just because it was the first game of the season, the Caps had already played one, they had gone to St. Louis, won 3-2 in overtime against the Cup champs? You know, I thought there was some decent stuff in the first game, defensively at least, Uh, you know, You can talk all you want about offensive zone entries. They were kind of rough for the Islanders. You can talk about them having trouble getting the puck over the red line at times. And Barry Trotz really has not liked his uh, neutral zone structure much. Uh, Through the first couple of games, there was one goal you would consider soft by Semyon Varlamov. Um, But overall, as I watched that game, It did remind me a lot of last season in that, you know, I I thought the structure defensively was sound. There weren't, for a first game, there weren't as many odd man rushes against as you might expect, and I thought that was a good sign to begin with. Um, Barry Trotz talked about assessing the first couple of games and, uh, and also about the neutral zone structure that he'd like to get to.
1: Well, I, I think what we're finding is that there's areas that need, they sort of just need touch-ups and, and reminders and then uh, they're pretty good to grasp on them because a lot of it is a little bit like riding a bike where you go, oh yeah, you know, I get it, I, you know, that, that area I'm not thinking it, yeah, about and then you get them thinking about it a little bit and then they lock it down and then you, from there once they, they, they get to that point then you look for something else to build in your game. You know, and uh, that's what we're trying to do is just make sure that we're going back. It's almost like, you know, training camp uh, again with only focusing on, you know, one area at a time and then working our way through it again and then building or you know, adding other things to it. You, you talked about the face-offs, but
0: after the last game you, you mentioned the neutral zone structure. What, what are you seeing or not seeing in the neutral zone right
1: now? Well, uh, uh, last game I... I you know, uh, we did a better job offensively in the neutral zone, getting the spots so that we have outs. Um, in the neutral zone, when we had to go in structure, we were slow to do it, and we weren't we weren't in spots. And and when you're not in spots, it opens up lanes, it opens up a little bit too much too much ice. And we use the term you're not connected. You know, every all five guys have to be connected on the ice, and we we weren't in a, in a couple of occasions and. Uh, we just want to be consistent at it it's not that we don't do it all the time we, we that game that was an area that we felt like yesterday we worked on that a little bit just to tighten that area up and and they got it real quick it wasn't a uh and then we're you know as i say we're trying to add some something out of that so we talked about some of the areas where you know when you do you know execute it correctly the next the next thing what's your first you know, are you getting available and transition off that? And that was something we talked about uh, yesterday. So I was trying to connect that when you have the puck, you don't, and then transition, the quick transition back to having the puck. So,
0: when you look at the improvement from game one to two, and boy, my voice sounds a little bit clearer. Just took a little sip of water, and yeah, yeah, going back to that Francesa thing. Guzzle that diet coke, everyone. Um, Improvement from game one to two, like I just said, it it came in the offensive zone entries. They they were able to beat the Jets four to one because they were playing in the offensive zone. That top line, Matthew Barzell, Jordan Eberle, Anders Lee, creating a ton of chances. Uh, Anthony Beauvillier certainly looked like the player that Barry Trotz needs this season. We talked a little bit about that in episode one. Josh Bailey also had a strong game goal and assist. They got balanced scoring. Ten different Islanders contributed at least one point. And and that's the way they're going to win this season. Now The Jets eh, obviously have a little bit of uh, issues in terms of personnel. They lost defenseman Josh Morrissey to an upper body injury during pregame warm-ups. And uh, today on Tuesday, you see that uh, Dmitry Kulikov gets a – uh, personal leave of absence. Dustin Bufflin's already out on a, you know, deciding whether he wants to play anymore or not. So the, the Jets are in a little bit of rough shape defensively, but you know, no one's crying for him. And the Islanders, you know, all things aside, I, I I think they would have had a good game against anyone that night in terms of creating chances, getting it into the offensive zone. Their passing was much crisper. I really liked the Lee barzell Everly line. I thought that was a, a big reason they won. You know what? Another guy I really liked well, uh, I liked a lot in that game, was Leo Komarov. And I know you read Islander's Twitter, and it's, a, you know, what the heck with Leo at times. And I know he's prone to some undisciplined penalties. He has not taken a penalty through the first two games. I thought he was good on the forecheck. I thought he was good with Broussard. And and Bovillier on the forecheck uh, so far. Well, so far one game that that one game I, I I liked that line. I liked that line a lot more in game two than I liked in game one. And we we talked a little bit about that uh, that that identity line. The uh, Casey Sezakis with Matt Martin and Cal Clutterbuck and you know um, Barry has gone back to what he's done last season. Using them on the ice at, at the start of every game, I know Zezekis is dealing with the nagging injury, unspecified. He said he was good, good, good today, um, but it, it, it's going to keep him. It looks like it's going to keep him out of practice a little bit. Uh, maintenance day he had a maintenance day on Monday. Looks like he'll he might keep that up a little bit. Maintenance days here and there to make sure he's doing well. Um, the the fourth line or the identity line, I'm sorry, guys, I, I did not think was as good in games one and two as they need to be. Um, they need to, you know, for lack of a better word, they they need to set more of an identity. I, I, you know, Matt Martin was throwing a few checks. So was Cal Clutterbuck. Uh, Casey Sezekis was not as dangerous in the offensive zone as we saw last season when he had 20 goals. And, and just in general, I, I didn't think that line played up ice as much as it could have, or it has in the past. It, it was not as formidable on the forecheck. I think that's one thing that the Islanders will need going forward, is is for that line to uh, ratchet up their game a little bit. As I mentioned, I did a one-on-one with uh, my old friend Derek Broussard, uh on Saturday. Uh, chatted with him after practice, and went through a whole range of uh, topics, starting with coming back to New York. He played for the Rangers. Uh, I know he loved New York when he was with the Rangers. So I talked to him about coming back here and talked to him a little bit about his season last year, a really tough one for him, bouncing from the Penguins to the Panthers. And, you know, he, he really talks about You know, going to the Panthers, knowing he's going to be traded again because the Panthers were looking to cut salary. It really kind of, you know, hurt his enthusiasm for hockey. And then he had to jump right back into the playoff race with the uh, with the Avalanche in Colorado. So he talks about that. And then, like I said, what generated a little bit of Twitter buzz was I I actually we, we started talking about his time in Ottawa. And uh, we talked, obviously, he got traded from the Rangers to the Senators as part of a package for Mika Zabanejad. And Zabanejad goes up to Ottawa that night and goes off with a hat-trick, including a shorty. Uh, so I tweeted out during the game, just a little tease, that, you know, Broussard said it never made any sense to him, uh, the fact that the Senators would have traded Zabanejad to the Rangers for him. So... Anyway, listen to Derek Broussard going over all this stuff. And I'm uh, pleased to welcome to Island Ice uh, my my guest this week, uh, Derek Broussard. Uh, Derek and I, uh, I don't want to say we're camping buddies or anything like that, but uh, we do go back a little bit. I covered him when he was with the Rangers. was very happy to see when he signed here with the Islanders. And uh, Derek, thanks for taking a couple of minutes.
2: Yeah, thanks for having me.
0: So far, what, what are your impressions of this team and uh, just, you know integrating into the system and uh, your thoughts on how how good
2: this team might be yeah i i mean it's uh, it's a good group of guys uh, first of all and uh I think they, they proven last year that they, they can be a really good team, really hard to play against, and that that's exciting for a player. Uh, uh, you know, coming here this summer, uh, not really knowing what to expect from, from the team and everything. I, I knew some of them, some of the guys, and I knew a little bit from uh, from playing against them in, uh, for many years. But uh, you know, now we're tomorrow's game two, and uh, you know, I mean, we're just trying to improve as a team. Uh, it's a long season. Um, I like our chances, we're just going to have to put it together and, you know, compete hard every night, and we're going to give ourselves a good chance to win every night.
0: I know, you know, you didn't necessarily sign on July 1st and went into August for you. But what were the, the pros for you for, for getting into this group in terms of finding a little bit of, you know, stability, you know, for your for your for yourself yeah. after playing for three teams yeah. last season and, and also kind of getting back to, to the game that you can play?
2: Yeah, I, I, I felt like I, I played some really good hockey in the last couple of years. And uh, last year, for whatever reason, wasn't really a good fit in Pittsburgh and I kind of got lost and... After that, they send me to Florida, because they're they're trying to clear some money away for uh, the free agent market in the summer. So uh, knowing I'm going to Florida, I was, uh, you know, I knew I was going to get traded again. So I don't think that was really fair, but uh, yeah. So I kind of disconnect a little bit from hockey um, for a month or so, and after that, I get traded to a team who's battling for the playoffs. So now it's kind of like a roller coaster a little bit in my season, and you know it is it is what it is. But now I'm really happy that I, I'm here. I, I met with Lou and Barry this summer. Um, I was looking for an opportunity to have a role again because I didn't have much in, in Pittsburgh, and I knew I knew I could I could help a team and everything. But uh, now I'm I'm really excited to be here. It's a it's a good opportunity. Uh, I'm looking looking forward to taking advantage of it.
0: I know it's not downtown Manhattan, but what is it like coming back to the New York area? I know when you were with the Rangers, yeah. you you really loved being here.
2: Yeah, I I really enjoyed my time in New York, and it's uh, you know this I I like this area a lot, and uh, now it's been a month or so. I I, I really like uh, Long Island. It's, you know, it's quiet and. Uh, trying a few restaurants. Uh, like our setup here, practice rink is really nice. That the atmosphere in our main rink is it was amazing yesterday. Um, as a player, that's what that's what you want. That's what you're asking for. And uh, you know, you're passionate fans, and um, you know, I'm pretty passionate about the game and uh, playing the game. So it's, it's I think it's a good fit. And I try to play play well and play hard every
0: night. After the Rangers, uh, what, what was it like? Going home basically to Ottawa and, and getting to play there was that easier or was it kind of tougher because you were at home? And I, I know you know how much scrutiny there is playing in you know in, in any Canadian city.
2: Um, I think it was a little hard. Uh, I mean, not not the pressure or anything, but uh, you know everyone know that know, know the situation with the Senators a little bit and. Um, at the time, when I look back, you know they uh, they gave up a 22-year-old centerman. They drafted in the first round for me when I, at the time, I was 27 and 28. And uh, when you look back now, you're like it didn't really make any sense, you know, because um, a year after the trade, when I was in Ottawa, we lost in the conference final to Pittsburgh, and uh, the GM kind of. You know, there was like rumblings around that uh, they were going young, and they're gonna like, pretty much uh, sell that uh, and uh, like all the be- all the players, and uh, like, they-, they traded Carlson, they, they traded uh, DeShane Duch- uh, not, not like Deshain and uh, Stone and those guys. So I-, I ended up staying in Ottawa for a year, and you know I you know I ended up going to Pittsburgh after that. Pittsburgh wasn't the right fit, and uh, still still putting up like decent numbers um, but yeah I mean it's just like when I, when I look back it just didn't really make any sense going there you know like I was going there long term I went there for a year and after that the, the team decided to go young um, but yeah I mean at least at the end of my career I'm going to be able to say that I played at home for a year and it was a, it was a cool experience we almost went to the cup finals I wish it was a little longer than one year but uh, yeah it was good.
0: You know, you talk about later in your career, obviously, you're you're not an old man by any stretch of the imagination, but do you feel there is a, a transition at a certain point to not becoming a different kind of player, but having to, to adapt, you know, to the NHL as you yeah. do grow older?
2: Yeah, I think every year you have to adapt as a player. Um, I mean, the, the game uh, evolved like so much since I've been in the league for 10 years, and uh, there's, uh, you know, every every year there's younger guys pushing and there's also, uh, you know, the fact that, uh, you know, you're when you're, I'm 32 years old now, it's, uh, you know, I played a lot of games. I played a lot of playoff games. I had a few surgeries. So I think there's a lot of, a lot of uh, part of the, uh, my responsibility is to make sure my body is, they function it right every time and I take a lot of time of uh, making sure that I'm healthy and uh, you know it's a long season out there it's, it's 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 tough to uh to bring in every night but uh, I'm, I'm willing to do the sacrifice it starts in the summers and and now it's uh, I'm gonna try to uh, just trying to help this team and uh, you know, hopefully we can have a good run one thing i do know
0: about you is you can you can tell us pretty much what's going on around the league you, you really pay close attention to to what else is where does that curiosity come from and 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 how do you think that helps you as a player
2: um i always been that, that way like uh, i think it's I think it's my you know, I think I owe that to my dad. He was like passionate about the game and when I was younger he, he brought me a lot to like junior games and uh if I wasn't playing I was watching and if I was watching the Canadians on Saturday with my family or I was watching the junior games like I said. Um and now I just you know, I, I still I still like kinda watch not watch but like i watch my uh, my how my junior team is doing back home um, some of my friends are playing in the, in the other teams around the league i try to watch them as as much as i can um but yeah i'm just a, 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 a sports fans in general i like watching football on sundays and college football like baseball right now in the postseason i just uh i just like doing that
0: I know analytics has become a huge part of, you know, baseball, football, you know, it just has altered the way games are being played. Do you pay much or any attention to that? Do you see the analytical reports?
2: No, not really. No, I'm just – there's a lot of, you know, distraction, and there's already a lot of pressure out there. I just – uh, I just worried about coming here and do my job and be there for my teammates and be good for my teammates and uh, uh, yeah. I mean, the only th- the only stats that matters is uh, you know the, the the games that we win and we're trying to get to close a hundred points and to make the playoffs. And um, but no, I don't really trying to pay attention to that. Uh, I think a, a lot of it is kind of wrong a little bit and uh, you know you can. Say, I remember like some some of my teammates. In the past, they used to, instead of dumping the puck in the corner, they used to gain the red line and just throw <laughs> one on that just to get a, a shot on net, you know. It's just, but that's like that's not okay. It's just, uh, you know, personal stats, you know. Um, yeah, I try to stay away from that. Yeah. Did
0: you get into the fantasy football league
2: here? Or? No, there's, like, too many guys, but I already have leagues. uh Back home, and uh, I think I'm in two leagues. Yeah. You don't want to be in too many because you don't want to cheer for the entire league, you know. <laughs> but uh, I do like, uh, yeah, I do like watching. Yeah,
0: I suspect you'll wind up winning at least one of those leagues. Yeah, so, <laughs> <laughs> Derek, I, I can't thank you enough for joining me, and uh, good luck the rest of the way. Yeah, thank you. All right. Well, I hope you enjoyed that interview with Derek Broussard. I certainly enjoyed chatting with him. It's very easy to chat with him. Good talk probably three times as long with them and you know always interesting talking fantasy football and like he mentioned you know I, I do go enjoy going up to him in the room and asking him about what is going on around the rest of the league and his take on it because he really does follow it and he is very knowledgeable uh you know uh, one of those guys who could be a front office guy or could be a coach. You know, he just has that kind of knowledge about the game. But uh, I'm sure he doesn't want to stop being a player for a long time now, so I'm not trying to push him out of the NHL. But, uh, again, thanks to Derek Broussard. And and now let's uh, go to the Q&A section. um would like to, uh put up a little Twitter twitter post and uh, asked for some questions and again uh, you guys came through and uh so i'm just gonna scroll through and uh you know basically looking at these for the first time so this is kind of a stream of consciousness here uh, which is something very few people say about me at times so uh Let's see what we got. Uh, Jay Mersh says, uh, not to pat myself on the back, he didn't say that I am, but he said, really enjoyed the first podcast, Andrew. Great work and great interview with Barry Trotz. And if you haven't heard, again, uh, the episode one is still available wherever you do the podcast thing on Apple or, as I mentioned, at the top of the show. So great interview with Trotz who do you think will be the first call up if a forward was to go down at some point? And Thomas Boyle follows up with, do you see Oliver Wallstrom getting a call up very soon? I think that, you know, not to be waffly, but what's your definition of very soon? I think if very soon is sometime by Thanksgiving, yeah, yeah, I do see Oliver Wallstrom getting a call up, quote unquote, very soon, if that's the case. I think the Islanders might be looking for a little bit more scoring oomph, and I, I certainly think Oliver Wallström is going to prove down in the AHL that he can provide that. So, will he's gonna? Would he be the first call up? That that's the interesting thing because it, it's sort of situational. Um, you got to tell me which forward is coming out of the lineup, be it for injury or or not playing well. You know, if for whatever reason they're down a center then it probably is not Oliver Wallstrom. Maybe it's Otto Koivula coming up uh, to provide some help. Mason Yopst, Yopst, again, go back to the first episode to hear me fumble over names. Um, But it is situational. Let me put it this way. I think Oliver Wallstrom might be the first forward call-up that sticks for for a longer period of time. So I'll, I'll put it that way. Joey Press asks, can the Isles keep Dobson until he turns 20 in January and then send him to Bridgeport? And no, um, unfortunately for the Islanders, that that's not the way it works this season. It's either the NHL or junior hockey for Dobson, and then next season he becomes AHL eligible. Uh, we talked about that last week as well. The organization really, I think, would prefer to have Dobson in the AHL this season as a best fit for his development. And Lou Lamarillo said during training camp he certainly sees that quote-unquote loophole where a guy like Bodie Wilde can go to Bridgeport this season just because he's not a Canadian junior player, even though he's the exact same age as Noah Dobson. He can go to Bridgeport Lou Lamarillo thinks that that loophole will be closed in the next collective bargaining agreement. Um, Adam, and I'm going to mispronounce your last name because that's just my thing, but it looks like Papa Dulias, sorry, Adam, says, where can I sign up for your podcast, please? And uh, yep, just to repeat, Apple Podcast, uh, Google Play. SoundCloud, on the Newsday website, uh, Those are the uh, that's the lineup for now. So uh, please subscribe, and I appreciate uh, the support. AJZ says, are the Isles still exploring trade options? The rumor mill was flying before the Jets game. Is there really a world where Lou trades Ryan Pulak for a top six forward? Doesn't seem to make sense to trade your best defenseman. I I agree. Um, I I would not trade Ryan Pulak at this stage of his career. I think he is completely blossoming into, like you just said, a number one defenseman. So, you know, if there was a list of untouchables on the Islanders, I I think it starts with Matthew Barzell. I I think you have Devontae's in there. Uh, I I think I would include Ryan Pulak in there and, uh, you know... At this point, Noah Dobson might be that kind of guy, and Oliver Wallstrom might be that kind of guy. But then again, if you're looking for top six forward scoring help, that's where the ask is going to start. So it really depends on, you know, how aggressive Lou wants to to be. If and we're talking hypothetical as to whether you know a trade gets made, uh, I think that's why. You saw all that speculation about Nick Letty possibly being moved because, you know, Ryan Pulock has made that improvement, and, and you got Noah Dobson coming up, and that just seemed more logical as to whether the Islanders or whether they're still exploring trade options. Let's put it this way, and I don't think this is endemic to the Islanders, but GMs never stop exploring uh, trade options. I think Lou is always got his antenna up as one one guy on another team told me you know the team is always kicking the tires on a player so you know yeah I think you know Lou is active in seeing what's out there and and what makes sense to the organization but as you've seen through the trade deadline and uh even through uh the offseason Lou did not pull the trigger just for the sake of pulling a trigger it it has to make sense to him and I know guys get on Lou uh you know for for being inactive but I I think Lou is sort of trying to be proactive there and not give up too much um and and just make a deal that makes sense for the Islanders at some point Lou Lamarillo is going to make a deal and I think I think at some point This season, Lou Lamarillo is going to make a deal that makes you go, wow, that's that's a deal there. Um, Let's see. Mark Jacobson says, do you think Linus Soderstrom has a future with the Islanders? What's his ceiling? Linus Soderstrom is is just in his first season in North America. Goalies take a little bit longer to develop. What's his ceiling? I I do think his ceiling is an NHL goalie, whether that's with the Islanders, you, you know, We've talked about Semyon Varlamov having a four-year deal here and the fact that Varlamov might be abridged getting Ilya Sorokin over here. So whether there's a spot, you know, three, four seasons for Linus Soderstrom on the Islanders, uh, I I can't tell you right now. I I do think he has a future in the NHL, uh, particularly and uh, I guess only if he can avoid injuries and and stay healthy. Uh, So far, so good this season. But yeah, you know, Linus Soderstrom moves pretty well in the crease. So uh, if you can do that, you 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 do have a chance. Uh, let's see, Bobby for changing Belmont asks, do you feel Ross Johnson is being groomed to be Matt Martin's replacement next season? I I don't know about being groomed to be a Matt Martin replacement. I talked uh, at the top of the show about how I feel Ross Johnson is going to get more playing time, and that might come at Matty's expense as the season goes on. But I, I still think the Islanders have a lot of value or see a lot of value in Matt Martin. So I, I don't know how willing they are to, to part with him at this stage. I know Barry Trotz loves him. I know he loves that line. Um, so is he being groomed to be Matt Martin's replacement next season? I, I can't say that right now. Uh, Cheryl W. says, loved the first episode, exclamation mark, and I, I love the exclamation marks. That, that I, I do like that. We hear a lot that Lou runs a really tight, uh, I'm assuming, ship in regards to news and rumors getting out. Is that something that applies to you, and does it affect what you write about? Um, there's a yes and there's a no to that. I mean, the, the, the strong yes is Lou runs a very tight ship. In in regards to news and rumors, Uh, you know, there there are a few stories about Lou telling agents, you know, we're going to do this, but if I read about this in the paper, then we're not going to do this. You know, I've heard those stories and, you know, talking to, you know, uh, I remember talking to uh, Rich Sher who covered the Devils from the time they moved to Jersey Uh, for the Newark Star-Ledger up until a couple of seasons ago, three seasons ago, I believe, for Rich. Um, And he covered Lou for a long, long time, and he told me he'd never seen, you know, a lockdown like that. He could talk to sources who would be able to tell him about what else was going on in the league, and as soon as he asked about the Devils, his his sources would clam up, and and, and the implication was basically, you know, I could get in trouble, you know, if Lou finds out I'm talking about this, or you know, my client could get in trouble, or, or whatever, you know. Uh, yeah, Lou, Lou does write a run a very tight ship in in regards to news and rumors. Is it something that applies to you? Um, you know, see my last sentence. Yeah, if I if I'm talking to a source, I, I sort of get the same thing that Rich Cher found out at times. That, no, not a lot of people know about Lou's business or are willing to talk about it. Does it affect what I write about? I I, I would like to think not. I, I'd like to think that I'm a fair journalist. And, you know, I, I I give people a chance to respond. And if they're not, but if I still know something, you know, I'm not going to not write something just because it might upset Lou. And, and Lou does get upset at some of the stuff that gets written. Um, but the other thing I do know about Lou is he. He's very fair. He can be mad at you, and you can talk it out, and then you have a clean slate, and you move forward. So, uh, let's see. Matt Ostrowitz says, How long does this Hosang drama continue before Lou officially says he couldn't find a trade? Well, I don't think Lou's going to find a trade here. Uh, I think he tried finding a trade at the trade deadline last season. I think he tried finding a trade You know, up through the draft this season, and I don't think anything materialized. I don't think anything is materializing right now. How long does this continue? Well, right now, uh, if I had to put a timetable on it, you know, give it till you know this weekend, maybe when when the the Sound Tigers start playing, you know, some more games. Uh, You know, at some point, yeah, Lou is officially going to have to tell the Hosang camp that. There's just nothing out there, and then I think another decision has to be made as to whether you know Josh Hosang and his representative, you know, want to continue honoring the contract that he signed as an RFA, and if will is, uh, and if Lou is willing to maybe terminate that to allow Josh to go play in Europe, because you know right now that you know maybe this isn't fair, but you know it, it sort of seems like that that's the way that this is all heading. Um, that's just speculation, but yeah, no, I'd still give it maybe another week before we get any resolution on this. Um, Let's see, Adam Scardi says, great podcast, exclamation mark, thanks for engaging the fans like this. Has there been any early rumblings into whether Varlamov's presence has influenced Sorokin's decision making? Unrelated, what's your estimate for total games The fourth line plays intact together. Um, I have gotten no indications one way or the other whether Sorokin uh, will come to North America once his KHL contract runs out. Um, Obviously, I'm not on the ground in Russia talking to the kid. Um, I haven't seen anything one way or the other. I know what the Islanders hope, and I I think I know what the Islanders' belief is, and I I think that's strongly tied into them bringing Semyon Varlamov here. So if I had to tilt the scales, you know, I'd go 60-40 he comes, maybe 65-35 he comes at this point, and it might might tilt further in the Islanders' uh, presence or uh, Islanders' way as the season goes on, and my my estimate for total games the fourth line plays intact together would would 63 to 66 be a fair number because that's yeah uh, I don't know if that's low or not but you know maybe the over under is about 66 or so I'd say. Uh, let's see. John says, do you know of any rift between Bossy and the team? He hasn't attended anything since him, his employment ended, as far as I can tell, assuming he won't be coming for alumni weekend as well. Also, any idea if any surprises for this weekend? Maybe a Ziggy Palfi appearance? I, I'm sorry, John. I, I, I do not know of any rift between Bossy and the team, and, and I think Uh, The new ownership of Scott Malkin and John Ledecky has has reversed things, 180, and and gone out of their way to try and be accommodating to the alumni. So, no, I I, I don't see a rift there. Um, I don't know if Ziggy is coming. That would be a lot of fun. Um, So, yeah, no, sorry I can't give you uh, any more on this. Um, Sam Tantliff says, if Bridgeport starts slow... Do you see them making a coaching change? I know Brent Thompson is a holdover from the old regime, wondering if you think Lou intends to bring in one of his guys to coach. I I don't think midseason, early season is time to change directions in the AHL. I think if Lou was going to make a change in the AHL, it would have happened already. Or if he decides a change needs to be made, I think he would make one next season, but, uh, in this off season, but you know, they, they made the playoffs right last season. And, uh, I think they've got a really good team and I think Brent has, has won the trust of the Lou Lamarillo management team. So no, I, I really don't see him making any change, even with a slow start. Um, Nick Collis says, what's up, Andrew? You do a great job. As always, my question would be, what is the overall sentiment on Sorokin joining the Islanders next year? Is it up in the air, or do they feel pretty confident? Thanks. Um, Nick, yeah. Um, I, as I said a couple of questions ago, yeah, I, I do think they're starting to feel more and more confident. Um, and that's, again, we, that, that goes back to whether the Lou lets out any rumors uh, and how closely he clamps down on personal business. But my sense is, yeah, the Islanders, I think, are getting a little bit more confident. Um, Michael says, hey, Andrew, great first pod episode of the pod. I probably should stop that. I I'm, I feel like I'm just, you know, patting myself too much. But thanks, thanks, guys, for uh, the feedback. I do appreciate it. What do you think is behind uh, Michael Dalcal and Bailey switching spots? I, I just think it's a a comfort thing. They want to get Michael Dalcol systematically. I think they feel systematically he can be more effective on the right. Josh Bailey proved last season that he was very comfortable on the left. And I I think it's as simple as that. Barry Trotz just feeling like that's the best way to get the most out of that line at this moment. Not saying, you know, I talked to both of them about it, and they're equally comfortable on either side. So you could probably see that switch at some point. Um, but for now, Barry Trotz, I think, sees more uh, more benefit to having Dalcal on the right and, and him playing within the system a little bit better and getting it a little bit more. Um, Martian Monster asks, Was there any truth behind the talks of a trade with Winnipeg that I saw floating around? I don't think there's any truth to that as as of this moment, other than I will say this, Winnipeg is in desperate need of defensemen. And it would not surprise me if they reached out to the Islanders, because the Islanders do have a bunch of really good defensemen. So, you know, whether that's I whether the rumor was true, I I, I can't say that, but I don't think it's I don't think it's uh, an unwise thing to think that the Jets are reaching out around the league for defensemen, and the Islanders would be one of the uh, teams that they would probably contact just because of the Islanders' stock of defensemen. Uh, Jake Crandlemeyer says, what are your thoughts on Holmstrom? Do you think he can be a legit player in the near future? Again, define to me near future. I think Holmstrom gets at least this whole season – at the AHL I think the fact that he is in the AHL uh this season instead of going back to Europe shows that he's a little bit further advanced maybe than the even the organization thought he might be at this point um I I think he can be a legit player they love his hockey IQ they love the way he skates they they you know if he stays healthy they love his body um but again, near future. I don't think anything before next season would be a near future. Uh, Alex asks, "What's up with Kiefer Bellows? Don't hear a lot about him since Wallstrom and Holmstrom arrived. How far from the NHL is he right now? I think you know. I think he's behind Wallstrom in terms of who gets called up. I think he's ahead of Holmstrom at least for this season, just because Kiefer's got more." more uh, experience we talked about this last year yeah i i think Kiefer bellows has been passed in the organization has not developed as quickly as maybe either he or the organization had hoped for um but there is still time from him for him how far from the nhl is he you know what I, I think he's gonna have to have a really good training camp next season um let's see Okay. And the last one, <laughs> and this is a good one to go out for on. Thanks, MH. says, how does it feel to be the only person to walk into the Islanders locker room sporting a full beard nowadays? Does your beard get lonely? Most importantly, and it positively has to be a number, how much would it cost the Islanders Twitter to see a baby-faced Andrew even for one post-game scrum? So let me uh, dissect this. Um, I don't think about it. Um, And, you know, it's funny, a lot of more people than you would think actually bring this up to me. Um, Because I cover the Islanders does not mean I'm an Islander employee. Uh, I'm staring at my Newsday badge. Um, (laughs) I I, I have a Dolan signature on my uh, paycheck. Um, I do not work for the Islanders. Lou cannot enforce his no beard, no facial hair policy on me um sometimes i think he'd like to but he cannot you know so how does it feel being the only person in there with a beard honestly i've never thought about it um now you're gonna make me self-conscious for the rest of the year so thanks so much mh um does my beard get lonely no no beards are not living things so no it does not get lonely um what would it cost to see a baby faced andrew you don't have that much money. I just I, I'm not exposing a double chin. Um that was my rationale for growing a beard and that's when I was 22. I've not shaved it since and uh you know it's going gray now and I sort of like it and no, no. Not not shaving. I don't even know if I know how to shave anymore. I would probably just rip up my face and then I'd have to take a sick day and I never take a sick day. And I don't want to take a sick day because I don't know how to shave. And that would just be embarrassing. So, but anyway, listen, thanks so much for listening. We'll be back soon with episode three. Again, this is available on Apple Podcast, on Google Play, the Newsday website, on SoundCloud. Follow me on Twitter at Newsday, And thanks for all the support and uh, have a great day. Thank you.